Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. But now we learn that God shows a brilliant way in which to convey his truth, his grace, his mercy, his love to all of his creation through the sending of his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He would send his son in to declare the word, and that's why he's called the word. Up to the first century A.D., God had used angels and men to tell his story, but now he would send his own kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, with an in-person message for the entire world, and John was chosen by God to tell this amazing and fascinating tale. On December 17, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright made their first flight of an airplane at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. On their fifth attempt, the plane landed, or the plane uh, flew for 12 seconds, piloted by Orville. Wilbur rushed to the local telegraph office and sent the following two sentence message. Here the, here's the two sentence. Number one, we have flown for 12 seconds seconds. Number two, he's writing this to his sister, we will be home for Christmas. (laughs) Upon receiving the telegram, their sister Catherine went to the newspaper office. She was so excited. They had actually flown for 12 seconds. And she told the editor of her brother's new flying machine and informed him they would be home for Christmas. And if he would like, she could set up an interview with the boys. Well, the editor told her that was nice, and he would be sure to put something in the newspaper regarding these young lads. On December 19th, the local paper placed the following headline on the sixth page of the paper, and this is what it said, Wright Brothers, home for Christmas. (laughs) That plane flew for 12 seconds, but it included flying over the editor's head. He missed out on the greatest story that that had ever happened to that point, I think. The most important story of the decade, man's first flight, and he didn't even comprehend it. Totally missed it. Well, listen, we don't want to miss Jesus today, so let's cast our attention upon the Word of God and the Scripture. Look down at your Bible as we begin to read in John chapter 1, verse 1. We've looked at the who, what, where, and when of the word. So now I want to look at the why of the word. Here's the why. Why must this story be told? That's what I want to answer for the rest of our time here. Why do we need this gospel? Well, number one in your notes, because our dark world needs God's light of hope. All you have to do is turn on your television and watch the news for 10 seconds to realize this world's in a lot of trouble. It's in a lot of trouble. And we need the light to turn on. You know, the problem is with humanity is they like to live. We like to live as sinners in a dark world. We don't want somebody turning the light on. We just as soon do our stuff in the darkness. But the Word came. Jesus came to turn the light on. And then the world needs God's light of hope. Let's look down at verse 1 now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, 
And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Another, way, another word for comprehend is to overcome it, so that the darkness did not overcome the light. Apart from God's light, our world is literally in darkness. Scientists reveal that darkness is the absence of light. Light changes our environment from darkness to illumination. Light reveals the truth to an otherwise dark surrounding. Maybe this morning you've come to church and you sense your need for God. You sense your, uh, your need for this illumination in your life. Well, let me tell you, you've come to the right place at the right time. Are you battling addiction? Run to this light. Are you fighting depression? God's Word has something to say about that. Are you facing a tragedy in your relationship? Run to His light. Are you overcome with fear or looking for some wisdom with a decision you need to make? Run to God's light and you will find that He illuminates the darkness in your heart, your mind, and your soul. Listen, there's no instrument or device which spreads darkness. Did you know that? Mankind came up with this thing that you push a button and light comes out of it. For some of you, this is news, but that's okay. We call it a flashlight. You can get them at Home Depot. But do you know what? There's no device that when you push the button, it spreads darkness. Because darkness is just the absence of light, right? So we need to run to the Scripture, open our Bibles, and lean not unto our own understanding, but rather upon the truth and the promises given to us by the light of the world. Jesus Christ came to spread light and the good news of salvation. History records for us an interesting footnote. Um, I, I love history. I got C's to play football because that was the minimum you could get to play football. But when I went to history class, I got A's and B's. I love history. I love the history of America, especially the Civil War. I'm very interested in and, and uh, read about. And we've been back there to, on some of the battlefields and really enjoyed our time back there. I just love the Civil War. On a dark, cold night in 1864, the Civil War has been going for four years now, at Petersburg, Virginia, the Confederate Army of Robert E. Lee faced the Union Division of General Ulysses S. Grant. The war was now three and a half years old, and the glorious dreams of a quick victory had long since given way to the muck and the mud of trench warfare and hand-to-hand -hand combat that is so brutally ugly. Late one evening, one of Lee's generals, Major General George Pickett, received word that his wife had given birth to a beautiful baby boy. Up and down the line, the Southerners began to build huge bonfires in celebration of the event. These fires did not go unnoticed but in the northern camps, and soon a nervous Grant sent out a reconnaissance team to find out what was going on over there. Well, the scouts returned with this message that Pickett had a new son, and these were celebratory fires on the other side. It so happened that Grant and Pickett had been contemporaries at West Point. They had studied war together side by side, not understanding that one day 
they would stand in opposition to one another. They knew each other very well. So to honor the occasion, Grant on the north too ordered that the, the bonfire should be built by his soldiers as well to congratulate Pickett. What a peculiar night this was. For miles on both sides of the battle lines, fires burned, but no shots were heard. No yelling back and forth, and no hostilities between armies. Only light celebrating the birth of a child on both sides. For a few moments, there was peace. For a few moments, there was a smile on their faces, and they forgot about the war for just a few minutes. Soon the fires burned down, and once again the darkness took over. The darkness of the night and the darkness of the Cold War. The story of the birth of our Savior is that in the midst of a great darkness, there came a great light. And the darkness was not able to overcome it. And while the, the darkness overcame the battle of the Civil War once more, when Jesus came and He came to, sh to spread His light and shine His light, it would never go out. It was not just a temporary flicker of a bonfire. It was and still is an eternal flame. And we need to remember that. When the night begins to close in in our mind, in our hearts sometimes, we forget that Jesus is the light and it's Him we need to run to. Let's look down at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Listen, there are times in the events of the world and in the events of our lives that we feel like the, the light is burned out. There are moments when it just seems like we're in the dark sometimes when something happens. It can be so disheartening. But John's message affirms that whatever happens, God's light is still here and it's still shining. The light of Christ is eternal and the darkness will never overcome it. And if you've come here this morning fresh out of hope, you've come to the right place. God's hope is still available a little while longer. The window is still open to salvation. God's hope is still available, but don't put it off. Jesus is coming back soon, or you could go out into eternity at any moment. I tell people regularly, it's too dangerous to leave this building without Christ. Don't do it. If you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't surrendered and made Him Lord and Savior of life, it's too dangerous to go out of this building. Make a decision today. More on that in just a moment. That's why the story needs to be told, my friends. Because others need to hear it. And because in doing so, they will hear your story and it will impact their life. Why do we do uh, testimonies before we do baptism? Each person, before they get into the baptistry, reads a testimony of their life, of how Christ impacted their life. Why? Because somebody is likely to stand out there that doesn't know Christ and say, wow, I didn't know that. Man, I, I messed up too, just like him, but God gave him a new life. 
I want that new life. And you hear that every once in a while. Someone comes up and they say, hey, I got saved at the baptism that we did last year where we had all those people come and get baptized. Remember that? People came and later on said it was a testimony of that young lady or it was a testimony of this guy that overcame alcohol that really got in my mind and stuck with me. You need to tell your story because God's given you a unique story that somebody else needs to hear. So number one, our dark world needs God's light of hope. And, And here's number two, our dark world needs a hero. It needs the hero of heaven. I heard a tale about a woman who was doing her last minute Christmas shopping at a crowded mall. She was tired of fighting the crowds. She was tired of standing in line. She was tired of fighting her way down long aisles looking for a a gift that had sold out many days before. Her arms were full of bulky and heavy packages, and when the elevator door opened, it was also full. Well, the folks in the elevator grudgingly tightened ranks to allow a small space for her and the load she was carrying. As the doors closed, she blurted out in frustration, whoever is responsible for this whole Christmas thing ought to be arrested, strung up, and killed. And for a moment, people agreed, nodded their head, but a young man's voice pierced the silence. He said, don't worry, ma'am, they already crucified him. Listen, the world is looking for a hero in all the wrong places while rejecting the true hero that's standing right in front of them. And we need to tell that story over and over, and we need to point to the hero. Verse 10, the word Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." The story is the hero, and the hero is the story. You can't separate the two. They are one and the same, and John declares that right from the beginning of his text. Our, we, our world needs the hero, Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't outlaw manger scenes, or you could outlaw <clears throat> manger scenes, excuse me, but it's still going to be about Jesus no matter what you do. You can pass laws that prohibit a baby, angels, and wise men from being placed in public squares, but the story is still going to be about Jesus. It doesn't change. Because without Jesus, there is no peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Without Jesus, there is no holy or silent night. You can hang all the lights you want on a building, but it will always be about the light of the world that came in from heaven to restore us and illuminate You can try to change the words to happy holidays, but it will always be about the word that became flesh and lived among us. The most important thing you need to know is this. There's a story to be told, and God has created each one of us with a story. What's your story? It's different from mine. 
but God will bring you people with which you need to share your story with. And you need to point to the hero and say, but right at the darkest point, Jesus came into my life. I surrendered myself to him. And let me tell you what he's done since then. I heard a fictional story about a, a day when our heavenly father went looking for a tree and he chose the best one he could find with just the right shape to it. And he took that tree and placed it where everyone could see it as they passed by. He hung the most beautiful light that heaven had to offer on that tree. And everyone that passed by gazed in wonder at the light. But one day a group of hoodlums smashed the bulb and the light died. And scripture says, once again, darkness covered the land. Then the father moved his beautiful light that had died into the darkest place possible, a sealed tomb. Now, you can't go anywhere that's darker than a sealed tomb. When I was a young man, my family, we used to go up and down the West Coast because we had family all along the way, but my parents took me to a place called Carlsbad Caverns. I don't know if it's around anymore. But I remember as a 12-year-old with my three brothers going down there, and they, would, you know, they had these headlamps that you put on over your head, and there's a little toggle switch up here. And as you went down, of course, you had your headlamp on, and we were going down into the belly of these caverns. And we got to, to, at, to some point, at the deepest part that we went, and the guide turned around and says, have you guys ever been in the dark? And, and we, we kind of all laughed and said, yeah, sure. And he said, no, I'm going to show you the dark. You haven't been in the dark. And he says, I want you all to, to shut your lights off. And, and everyone kind of laughed. And he goes, no, I'm serious. <laughs> shut your lights off. And so one by one, we clicked our, our little light off until only his was there. And he goes, and now, for the first time in your life, you're going to experience real darkness. And he turns his off. And I tell you, that's a weird, ominous feeling. I, I, I strained to, to, to see my dad. I just wanted to know he was still there, right? And, and I couldn't see him. I knew that he was standing three feet to my left, but I couldn't make out anything. I couldn't see anything. I, he said, bring your, your hand to your face and do this. Shake it. See if you can see your fingers. Well, you can't. It's the darkest of dark places, I think. And a tomb is just like that. There is absolutely no light in a sealed tomb. There is a place of hopelessness there that exists. It's a place of despair. And it's a place of death. It's an unsettling and ominous feeling. That's the kind of place, though, where they sealed the body of Jesus, and this was by design. God put it in a very dark place. Why? Because Christ can reach into every dark place. There's no place that his grace won't reach. There's no place that his love won't reach. There's no place that his hope won't reach. And so he chose this dark, sealed tomb to send his son into, and he had planned it. From the beginning that the greatest gift given to mankind the light of the world would be positioned in the darkest place that mankind could ever face it's the hopeless part of the story isn't it it's the part of the story that we don't like to read it's kind of the sad part of the gospel with jesus sealed in a tomb but three days later my friends you know the story out of the darkness of that hopeless tomb and out of the most dire of situations, 
the most hopeless of circumstances. Once again, the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Satan tried to push everything he could to keep that light from coming back, but the light exploded because darkness cannot withstand it. Jesus, the light of the world, opened his eyes up and said, Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? As he sat up and came to life. And when that light shined into the darkness of that tomb, hope sprung up for every man, woman, and child that would ever be born. Hope came into the world. The light of the world prevailed against the darkness. The the light prevailed against addiction. It, It prevailed against failure and depression and fear and you fill in whatever it is you're battling with it 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 overtook every sin past present and future that would ever be committed the light overtook that that's why the story must be told and that's why we are the storytellers that's why the story has to be told to everyone that god puts in our path because our dark world needs god's light of hope And because our dark world needs the hero of the story. And because our dark world needs to know the light has come. And because the world needs to be reminded that our hero, Jesus Christ, has overcome the grave and given us a promise of a fresh start and a new beginning, which is what we all need. For anyone who would confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that gift, that light That gift of light is yours. To repent is actually a military command. And this is what Jesus said. This is how you come to Christ. This is how you get the hope that Jesus is offering. You repent, which means to do an about face. You were marching that way in life. You were going your direction, living your life. But at some point, you say, this is hopeless. And you repent and you turn towards Christ. And you reach out to him. And you'll find that he's right there offering the gift to you. And as I said before, don't leave this church today, this building, without knowing where you'd go if a tragedy happened. God forbid that you would go out into eternity. Make sure it's in the hand of Christ, not on your own. Let's go down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jews, and, he, and his own did not receive him. Largely, the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. Verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Listen, you have a right to salvation. Scripture says so. I used to work in prison ministries um, a little down in San Diego. We had uh, one of the largest prison ministries in the state of California. We would host these big prison ministry uh, dinners and welcomes. And when somebody uh, came out of prison that accepted Christ and wanted help, we would, uh, we'd clothe them and we'd help uh, get them started. And, and um, it was so amazing to hear story after story after story after story but it was common for men to come up and afterwards and, and say, listen, pastor, I, I know God's forgiven you and, and a lot of these other guys, but you don't know what I've done. And I, said, I would tell them, you're right, I don't know what you've done, but let me tell you, I know what Jesus has done. 
He's forgiven every sin, past, present, and future, yours included. And there's nowhere you can go beyond His reach. There's nowhere you can go beyond His grace and His love and His mercy. There's just no way to do it. And the worst of the worst, by human eyes anyway, has a right to Jesus Christ and His salvation. This is the story, and it involves us and everyone else in our circle of influence. They need to understand Jesus is just as relevant today as he was 2,000 years ago. In a world of defeat, he brings the victory over the grave. In a world filled with hate, he teaches us how to love. In a world filled with anger, he teaches us how to forgive. And in a world of hopelessness, he offers hope to anyone that will take it. And tonight, or this morning, if you have not accepted it, what are you waiting for? Here's the, here's the gift. It's on the table. It's, it's a gift, so you can't do anything to earn it. Jesus just offers it to you. And if you'll take it and make it yours, you'll find that you not only get heaven later on, but you start a relationship with Jesus Christ down here. You begin to walk with Him and watch what He'll do with your life. Anybody that will do it, watch what happens to your life as you walk it out forward. Let's pray. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.